Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. James isn't feeling great today, so we have taken another experiment in our podcast and are doing this one via Zoom. So, James, take it away, my friend. Hello, Warriors. This is James Baker, your host, and welcome to episode 10 of Outreach Warrior. Today, as my awesome producer, Tom, says, I'm not feeling too hot, kind of a little bit of a stomach thing, but I'm here for you guys. We're here together, and hopefully we're going we're gonna to power through this. Today, I wanted to talk about a big thing that really has caught my attention with some of the work that I've done in the past, working in rehabilitation centers and the problem of homelessness when these people get out of the rehabilitation centers and as, and prisons as well. And then I'm going to throw in a little bit of facts that I also learned for the situation that came up um, that I learned about recently about having babies in prison, how that all ties into homelessness. Thank you for listening to Outreach Warrior. Again, this is James Baker. So to start today's show, I would like to talk about criminalization and homelessness. So the big thing is the barriers of prisoners re-entering society after they serve their sentence and they have no place to go. I have some facts here from VOA.org talking about some statistics. So each year, approximately 700,000 individuals return home from state prisons in the United States, and an additional 9 million are released from county jails. More than 10% of those coming in and out of prisons and jails are homeless in the months preceding and following their incarceration. These are facts stating from the Council of State Governments from 2016 to 2019. Among ex-offenders, those with mental illness have a higher than average rate of homelessness and housing. Homelessness is not just a public safety issue, but also a public health issue. Um, this is pulled from New Jersey. New Jersey has, a successful has had a successful reduction in state prison populations by nearly 37% since the year 2000, and a large part of by creating alternative to incarcerations and provided community-based re-entry and treatment services. So when they say about treatment services, those are speaking about halfway houses, places like that to help people get back on their feet. I've also been learning quite a bit about re-entry services for people in homeless shelters as such as I work in. So speaking a little bit about the prison, I wanna talk about rehabilitation centers for drug and alcohol abuse. For some of my volunteer work there, I have made countless friends who are leaving their program successfully but a huge hurdle is after they get the help that they need, they go out there and there's no services for them right away. And they wind up back on the street and then possibly leads to more substance abuse and relapse. We need more programs, in my opinion, more programs along these lines to help them get back on their feet. So to get a better picture um, of these people in incarcerations and homelessness, I also have some more facts and statistics. And this was pulled from a Connecticut government website. Uh, again, this is from a study from 2016 to 2019. And this is actually in Connecticut, the Northeast, back where I'm from originally. So in those three years of data that they collected, 69% of, of the homeless population were homeless prior to incarceration. That's 69%. That's a lot 
of homeless people being incarcerated. And then 31% became homeless after serving their time being incarcerated. But 69% of people were homeless before. That is an outstandingly high number. I think that we can do better. I think that we need programs. It's just, what can we do collectively as a group to help lower these homeless numbers? To get a better picture of these recently added numbers, homelessness, incarceration, the Connecticut Coalition of Homelessness has worked very hard to end homelessness in their area. All these numbers are pulled from the Connecticut web government website. So like I said, 69%, and that's pretty much what this whole article that I printed out talks about, about how staggeringly high that 69% number is, which is just unbelievable. So that's just a little issue right there to think about, about how as we stare and we look at that number, these people that are already homeless and they're living their life on the street, which not saying that they turn to crime, but desperate times caused for desperate measures. And maybe if they were in that position to begin with, they would not end up incarcerated. Just my opinion. So what if you are pregnant and you're homeless and then you get arrested? And this issue has come up in my life here. And so I researched it. And I think it's all tied in together on the large spectrum. So I thought I would touch upon birth inside a prison. So what happens when a woman gives birth inside a prison? Today, there are nearly 2 million children under the age of 18 with a parent in prison or in jail. The majority of those children are under the age of 10. And these are facts from 2011 is the earliest that I could find. Nationwide, 4% of women in state prisons and 3% of those in federal prisons are pregnant at sentencing. This leaves their families and the profession, professionals and policymakers involved in a quandary. What should happen with the infants when they're born in prison? So with the research that I've been doing the past week about this, I've learned that there are some prisons have nursery programs. Some prison nursery programs allow a mother to parent her infant for a finite period of time, anywhere from 30 days to 30 months, depending on the facility. Now this changes throughout the country. As a general rule, though, an incarcerated, incarcerated woman can, can participate in a nursery program if her conviction is a nonviolent crime and she has no past history of child abuse or neglect. Some nurseries are on site with the at the prison complex, either, either as a wing unit or prison separated from the general population. So not ideal by any means, but it's still a step in the right direction that the child still gets to stay with their mother for a short period of time. Again, this changes throughout the country. So then also it says babies in prison, prisons or not. With many new social services, there is active dialogue about whether prison nurseries are good for babies. Advocates of these nurseries say that the bond between a mother and her infant at the first few months following birth has been seen as the strongest single predictor of the child's future emotional well-being. Studies indicate that whether a mother-child bonding is disturbed, these children often develop severe problems related to disorganized attachment and other deviant behaviors. The American Psychology Society found that infants who bond securely with their mothers become more self-reliant. So again, this is more st stats, keeping them showing, pointing out, keeping the baby with the mother is good. Also, nursery programs include educational programs and support groups for mothers so they can learn about parenting and infant growth and development and life skills. Other classes can be coping skills and also about postpartum depression. These classes encourage incarcerated women to develop a, an, their own reflective capability think about, and to think about their children's needs and focus on parenting as they grow throughout parenthood. 
So something you don't really think about. I mean, this hasn't been something that's been on my mind as we talked about our outreach program, but these are issues that are happening. And if you would have told me two weeks ago about babies in prisons, I probably wouldn't have gave it much thought because if it's not in front of us, we don't really know too much about it. So again, this is just another issue I would like to tackle us with here with Outreach Warrior because we are warriors and we want to help as many people as we can. So I also would like to talk about our Operation Clean, which hopefully if everything goes according to plan, it should be in the beginning of June, where we have raised a little bit of money. And I talked about this a little last week, but we are going to be buying some hygiene products, possibly some socks, some underwear to pass out. And we are working with a another nonprofit that I will promote when the time gets closer. We'll be doing this in downtown Orlando, and we will be trying to help as many people as possible. I believe my producer, Tom, and I talked about how important it is for these people living on the streets to feel clean, to possibly maybe have nice clothes, nice shave, and be able to go to a job interview. Just the point of feeling clean and looking clean. So Operation Clean is in full effect. We have We've had some great people donate some money. And also my producer, Tom, has been hard at work, working on, soon we will be on different platforms like Discord and Reddit. He is working very hard on that. I have to get with the times here and figure that out myself. And please, we want to hear your stories as well, from homelessness, incarceration, to being displaced. Please reach out to us at outreachwarrior at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Or if you just want to say hi, any comments or things like that, please reach out to us at outreachwarrior at gmail.com. Well, thanks for hanging in there with us today. Hope you enjoyed it. I know it's a little bit of a short one, not feeling 100%, but we wanted to get it done for you guys. Thank you, Warriors. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. And a quick adder to that. We have already started our Reddit, which is r slash outreachwarrior. Thank you, James. And thank you, everybody out there for listening. Have a great day and a better tomorrow. Living here for centuries Yet I feel so lost what they please never count the cost and who's gonna help me find my way back home and who's gonna help me find my way and who's gonna help me find my way back home